Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Good morning. Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. My name's Peter Mumford. And I'm glad you're all tuning in today because we have a very special guest with David Chancheski being interviewed today by Gina Van Acton, who is head of our recruitment and HR for Stone. Today we're chatting about what it takes to recruit great agents. Now, part of this, when we grow a business, we may not think that we have to recruit many people, but that is the lifeblood of your business. Even if you don't need them today, you certainly are going to need them in the future. Now, with David Chancheski, David is the principal of Cessnock, Newcastle offices, and about to open on the Central Coast. Currently has three offices in there, and this soon will be the fourth one. David has grown his business phenomenally over the last couple of years. So there's some great listening and great takeaways to be had today. So welcome to the show, Gina, and welcome to the show, David. Hi, Pete. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's our pleasure. So, Gina, I might lead, let you take over here and uh, talk to David about some of the things that you do working with our principals and how the action, I guess, the actions that David does complements what you do to get a winning a winning team to get people to come and join the Stone Group. Definitely, Pete. I really do believe it's it starts with the partnership between myself and the principal. I lead a lot of the recruitment process, that's for sure. So I actually start with providing uh, a really big talent map across the designated business development area that the principal is looking after. So next step from there is I have a, a sequence of meetings with the principals to actually go through not just the talent list, but also get a good understanding for what the growth plans are within each of those businesses the, the great thing about, just as an example, with David and I, um, I make a lot of those phone calls for David, so it's very professional in the way we approach people. It's not as though the principal is seen to be headhunting, um, particularly in some of the markets that are a little bit smaller, and I know that uh, other organisations can kind of get their noses out of joint a little bit, which is understandable. So that's where the principals can leverage me to do that from a head office perspective. Um, David and I work particularly well together because David, will he's very interactive with, he knows the market, he knows who he would like ultimately and extremely open to any agents that I bring to the table. Um, David, do you want to talk a little bit about the way we operate from your perspective and you know what's kind of worked for you uh, as the service that I'm providing the principals? Yeah, sure. Um First of all, I didn't really want to do this podcast because I don't want to share Gina, basically. So I'm going to <laughs> say I want to keep it to myself. But no, honestly, if you're if you're not using Gina, then you know you're crazy. I I've come from from a, owning a McGrath French franchise, and you know over there we used to have to pay for a recruiter to to work for a McGrath. So one of the best features of being involved in this Stone Network is having access to Gina and recruiting because as a business and growing a business. Your number one priority should be recruiting. Um, with Gina, the best thing about I like about having Gina on board is she can make those cold calls for me. So it's not like I'm going out calling an agent and an agent says to go to his principal and says, oh, David from Stone called me and then I get a, a mouthful of abuse from that, that principal. 
Um, if that principal then calls me, I just say, well, sorry, mate, look, I didn't realise that our head office calls a lot of agents around the area to see whether they're interested in joining the stone group. So I'll have a chat to her and, and let her know. So it takes a bit of heat off me from the initial cold, cold call perspective. But sometimes it's good also to have a neutral person in there that they don't know the principal's calling directly. And, and the way Gina does it, she her, her hit rates and strike rates are phenomenal as far as getting me in front of people. So, um, and for me, that's one of the hardest parts is just actually getting to, to sit in front of somebody. So Gina will do that hard work. We'll make that initial phone call. Um, it's very good in the nothing to lose conversation. And Gina, you might be able to go about how you talk with people that later on, but um, I don't know what magic you will work in that initial conversation, but the percentage rate of the people that I give to Gina, um, you know, she gets them in front of me and then from there we, we can convert. So it's a great tool and all principals need to be doing that. And it's not like I just say to Gina, hey, I'm opening up in Tookley, Gina, can you ring agents for me? I start to, to work my networks and I've got photographers there and I've got other agents there and, you know, contacts that I know that live on the coast and say, hey, what agents do you recommend? Who would be a good fit for our office? And then I give Gina a list and then Gina will work through that list. Yep, absolutely. So what we do too with the way we work well together is melding those lists together. I think from the outset what I like about the way we work is um, we're also discussing strategies and opportunities, David. So it's a, it's a very interactive and dynamic kind of relationship that we have. So I like the fact that David utilises me in the way he does where I feel like an extension to his business. So I know all the agents that are there at the moment, I've recruited most of them. Um, we, As you mentioned before, David, we leverage those networks and the conversations I'm having with people is leveraging off the back of success. I'm not afraid to ask for referrals either. I think we've got one lady who's just onboarded in your newest office, David, where she's opened the door to about five different agents for me. And what that has shown is the level of engagement with your agents as well. So you don't have the problem later down the track of saying, oh, oh gosh, you know, I wonder if so-and-so is going to get on with so-and-so. When everyone is on board and working for the biggest strategy uh, of your business and, and the growth, they're all in it together. So they're going to support the new people onboarding um, and it's going to be a great experience for your new starters and also too, the people who are already in your organisation are going to feel like they've got people complementing your team for sure. Um, I Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, for example, in Tukla, when we started, our first agent we got on board is you want her to feel part of building the office. So even though, you know, the first agent's not a partner or an equity, any equity share in the business at all, she's come on board as an agent. I want her to feel like a part of this growth because it is an excitement when you start a new office for, for agents to come on board and see how it grows. And even some of my, you know, my two first original agents that started with me in my first office when I started with Stone two years ago, constantly talk about, you know, one of the best things is just seeing how far we've grown in two years from, you know, doing our first sales meeting in our lounge room to now having 30 staff in our group. It's, it's amazing. So you get them involved in the process. And like you said, she's given us five leads now on agents that she knows are unhappy or that would be interested in coming to work for us or a good fit for our culture. Yep. So, you know, from that first agent perspective, you've got to put a good rapport on and, and get to know this agent well and make sure she's got faith in you or he's got faith in you um, as a business operator and what you're trying to achieve and get them to, to buy into the goals and the dreams and the vision of the business so that they become a part of that and then they do, they give you those referrals. Yep, definitely. David, would you say that um, with the people that you've spoken with and, and I guess my experience with you in recruiting that you've had to give a little to get a little, if you know what I mean, in terms of 
understanding what these agents want and perhaps for the first ones going a little bit even beyond that to ensure that you've locked them in? Absolutely, Gina. I think, um, you know, so, so if I use Tukli as an example, so we're going into, well, actually all of my offices as an example because they were all brand new startups. Yeah. Um, every single office from the day when I came with Stone was a complete startup where I had no agents working for me. So Tukli, we're going into there an area, um, you know, I'm committed into to doing a $100,000 fit out in the area and for a five-year lease in Tukli with, with no agents. So I go in there and I think, you know, when you've got your back against the wall is when you're fighting the best. So. I go in there and I speak to the agent, but look, at the end of the day, at the moment, I've got zero on the table. So my first agent, I've let her keep the first two um, commissions in total. Um, so 100% of the first two commissions. So right. the reason for being, I don't have anything at the moment. So when I'm sitting there two years down the track and I've got this agent writing, you know, 600K in figures for me, and the two first sales I've let her keep is is a drop in the ocean in the scheme of things, mm-hmm. but it was enough to, to bring her on board. And she was looking at going with two other agencies and when I threw that, that I think that just was enough to sway her on. I think she was always keen on coming with us, but that's just going to help her make that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think has been the biggest, you know, getting her across the line and other agents, what is that key factor that you drive home with those agents to make sure that they're committed to joining Stone? What's, what's your style? Oh, look, when I, when, I, when I sit in front of the agents, I, I just like to listen. So when I sit down, I, I, I always, you know, thank them. Well, thanks for having a, a cup of coffee with me. Obviously, there's no commitment levels here. It's just a very high-level chat at first. Um, introduce myself. I'd like them to find out all about you and what you'd like from your, your next venture if you do decide to change brands and offices and see if we're aligned. And, and then we can take the further conversation further from there. So I always start finding out about them. So, and, you know, most agents like to talk about themselves or in real estate. Yeah. So I have a chat about what they're doing what's good and then I ask them about you know at their office so how often do you have sales meetings okay if they if their answer is good and they have them once a week that's great how often do you get coaching sessions from your principal oh I don't get coaching sessions okay so I'm no, I'm making all these mental notes as I go through about what they're doing and then I can tell what they're missing and what they actually want so once I've heard them talk for about two hours and 35 minutes normally mm-hmm. I then go on to about you know okay that's great let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. We're coming to Tukli. We own these offices at the moment, and this is the way that I run business. So we have a sales meeting once a week at nine o'clock. Um, I expect everyone to be there that once a week. I also have a one-on-one with my agents once a week for an hour and expect you to be at those two things. Other than that, you've got the freedom to, to work your business how you want to do it. I'm there to support you as a coach, as a mentor in your business and help you grow your business. That's my role in the business. It's not to micromanage you. The figures won't lie when we go through. I'm here to give you the business plan, the marketing plan, the tools you need to succeed. And I'm there to coach you along the way to make sure we stay on tracks. And we're going to derail from time to time. But that's basically my role is to keep you on the tracks and, and keep you propelling forward. So whatever business you're writing now, you know, we can increase. And then I'll use a couple of examples. So I've got people like, you know, Kathleen, who's in my business that was, you know, selling 10 properties a year prior to Stone. And she's just done 35 sales in her first 12 months with Stone. I've got Renee Beanwiper, who came from an independent with no marketing, no business plan. She's now, you know, one of the best agents in the Stone Network from volume. So, you know, there's the examples that I go through and talk to these people about. And then I ask them how that sounds. And then normally it's like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds that sounds good. And they don't give too much. And I don't try and go in for the kill on the first meeting. Mm. I always at the end of the first meeting say, look, thanks so much. It's great having a conversation. Really love finding out a bit more about you. Um, hopefully I've given you some information about what we're doing. 
And they'll say, yep, and they don't want to commit on the first meeting either. And I say, look, would you mind me letting you digest this for a couple of days and giving you a call in a few days' time? And I wouldn't mind some feedback about what you think about my business and, and where you're heading and see if we've got any synergies there. And then we can catch up for another coffee if that's the case. Yeah. So, And then I'll always make sure I diarise, follow the conversation up, and then I'll try and get in front of them a second time. And then... It normally does, Gina. As you know, recruiting doesn't. You don't. You don't. You don't get the first meeting, and then, oh yeah, Dave, I'd love to come and work for you. Mm. It doesn't happen on the first meeting. So, for example, we've just recruited a guy. This that starts at the end of this month. So I started recruiting from my first day in Stone two years ago. It's been two years worth of recruiting to get him on board. So, um, some will come after the second or third meeting, and, and some might be two or three months, and, and some might be two years, like the one that I've got at the moment. So. Um, I think the one that we had at Tuchel is probably the quickest recruit we've ever had, to be honest. With, yep. with, and we got there at the right time. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of my my thing. I like to, to listen to them, find out about what they're missing, what they're needing, what they're wanting, and then try and incorporate that into my skill about my business is this is what we do and make sure that I'm hitting those points that they may be missing in their current business. Exactly. Sounds to me a little bit like a listing presentation, right? Absolutely. It's very, very similar. You know, we run a pipeline as principles, you know, of agents that we're, we're talking to. Um, I always say if we're not working with a pipeline of, you know, 20, 20 riders across yeah. my group of officers, for example, I don't have enough in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Fridays are my recruitment days. So I spend Fridays, the majority of Fridays, either calling people or researching people or having coffees with people or whatever it might be. But that's the day that I try to keep, keep free for, so um, looking for, for potential agents and having conversations or something designated for growing my business. Yep, that's it. I think just from what you've discussed, and thanks for sharing that, David, it sounds to me that you're, even though you have a very fluid conversation with these agents, you're still somewhat structured where I like how you ask for feedback a little bit later. So you're already planting that seed to say, you will be hearing from me again. And my experience with David has been where he hasn't been able to get back in contact with that agent. That's when he reaches back out to me and says, hey, call this guy back and just find out I can't get hold of him, but I really want you to get some feedback from me. So that opens the door to another conversation, obtaining feedback from this person, um, getting a good understanding of the feeling they had with the meeting from David, what they talked about, etc., and potentially lining up that second interview. So you really do need to keep that door open in those meetings by planting that seed and saying, look, I will come back to you. Is it okay if I do? And you're getting permission for them, for you to um, get another call in or another meeting in for sure. David? Oh, I think we've yeah. probably sat in the front of Gino, you know, like, what 50 50 agents or something like that might yep. be in over the last couple of years um and i don't think well actually i'll tell you right now not one of them has said no don't call me David. Yeah. when i've said to them at the end of that meeting no. hey that's great i'll give you a call in a couple of days time if that's okay let's get the feedback nobody while you're sitting in front of them across at the coffee table says no David, don't call me exactly so you know you're asking for permission to go there it very much is like a listing presentation junior i think a couple of things one is you've got to be prepared when you go in there mm-hmm. um you've got to sort of know how you want that conversation to go and and you need to lead it because you've asked this person for, for a coffee. You can't go there unorganised and then the conversation goes nowhere. So they'll be expecting you to drive that conversation, that drive that coffee meeting. So if you just turn up and don't really know what to say, it's not going to go anywhere. That's so you've got, to, you've yeah. got to lead it through. Yeah. Yep. They, they um, need to also feel like they've got very good use out of that time because you're absolutely right, David. You know, we've all walked away from meetings going, oh, my God, what was that about? Um, so you do need to have, even if it's just a couple of bullet points, I think 
better to have a shorter meeting and a more succinct meeting than a longer one that's waffled and gone nowhere. So you're absolutely right with that. Can I ask yeah. you, um, you know, you've mentioned obviously listening, you're, you're discovering exactly what they're looking for and then incorporating that back into your, um, you know, the, the summary, I guess, when you're yeah. speaking to these people. So that's good. What do you do in terms of, you know, once they're on board, let, let's talk about, well, actually, I'll go a step back. What does a good agent look like for you? So what do you, It's because I know, David, it's not what everyone else thinks as, as a good agent, but if you can share with us, you know, what are the typical things that you look for in people? Uh, I guess for me, in my business plan anyway, I know everybody's different, but, you know, I always look at how they're going to fit in the culture of my business. So there's no point in me going and getting a high-performing agent that's going to disrupt and upset my business. So I look at um, agents that I think will be a good fit culturally from the business, first of all, um, and also a good fit for the brand and, and the values that the business stand for. And, you know, as you know, Gina, we've, we've interviewed a few and a few have said yes to come on board. And I've said, no, look, sorry, they're not the right fit for us. And we've knocked some agents back um, from coming on board. And that's okay to do that. And I think it's, it's prudent to do that if you want to control a, a good business and have no issues later down the track. Um, pretty much, I think most of our agents that we've been going for is what I call the lower hanging fruit, where they're the two to 300 K GCI agent that we can grow and, and improve. And, and that's our goal is to get agents on and to get them writing more business when they're currently at. And I think not only do you have to have it ready for recruiting, but you have to be ready to, to back up your actions and be able to work with them and supply them coaching and mentoring and training and business plans and marketing plans. And, you know, we've got the tools and, you know, I, I use Pete Maloof in my sales meeting once a quarter to come down and do some training with the guys as well. But, you know, my guys all get weekly sales meetings and weekly one-on-ones and that's, that's really one of my, I guess, my sales tools that I use in yep. my meetings with these agents. Yep. You have just nailed the most important piece, I believe, in that whole puzzle of bringing these people on, which is what do you do when they get there? So in terms of that onboarding, how do you actually, David, if you could just at a really high level talk to me about, you know, what sort of plan and process do you have when that person's coming into your business and how important is the experience um, that you've seen, either a good experience and a bad experience, how it weighs up and what impact it really has on your business? Yeah, you've got to be organised when they come on and, and bring them in and make them feel part of the team as soon as possible. Typically, it's been a little bit of a challenge because we've, we've recruited quicker than what we've got the office ready. So the office will be ready in two or three weeks' time. I've got my first agent working from home at the moment and we have had some, some hiccups and some rollercoaster motions along the way because um, obviously this agent's working from their house and they're actually renovating their home office and everything yeah, at the moment. Yeah. So they're sort of working from their lounge room. Mm-hmm. I've taken a printer down there and everything else. But for example, on... on Friday night, um, this new agent was, you know, feeling a bit frustrated because they needed a bit more from a marketing perspective and listing presentation perspective. And, you know, they, agents want everything right now. So, you know, they started on board on Monday with us and they wanted all their marketing tools to go. So we had to get photos and DL brochures and everything organised for listing presentations, ASAP. Um, some of that stuff obviously wasn't being able to be done. So on Saturday after my open houses, I quickly went to my Cahiber office, I printed out a whole heap of stuff for her and then I drove straight down to Tukli, you know, 50 minutes away to, to go down there, drop to a house, take a binder, take a laminator and everything there that they need. So, you know, we've got to bend over backwards for these agents when they come on board yep. to make sure that they're going. But again, you know, she's now an advocate for bringing other agents on and is giving me referrals to these people and telling these people, you need to come on board to stone. Yep. So, 
because at least what we're doing is not always perfect, but they can see where we're supporting and we're there to, to support them as much as we can be. So yep. um, if you if you don't have that follow-up action for when they come on board, you know, you're probably going to lose them out the door pretty quickly. So exactly. retention, you know, then fourth part, I know we're talking about recruiting, but retention, you know, is also as important as recruitment. It's like, you know, growing your rent roll, you can't have them walk out in the back door as you bring them in through the front door. So your recruitment is... Um, is very important and I think that's one thing that we look at our businesses that we've lost no agents over the last two years um, because of culture and, and training and mentoring I think is, is paramount in the business once they do come on board. Yes, absolutely. And you know what, you've just demonstrated really well that last comment that I made about giving a little to get a little. You've given a lot, David, you know, so you've really been able to roll up your sleeves and go and get the printer and hook it up yourself and do all that. And, and I know too sometimes with principals, they're really busy. They're, they're running around and doing everything. They're running offices. They're wearing a hundred different hats. But that is just what you need to do if you've got your eye set on the prize to be super successful. And you do that really, really well. You mentioned, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was going to say, you mentioned getting in and helping them with business plans, creating business plans. All of this leads from recruitment to onboarding and then that first crucial 30 days of setting them up for success because that, to me, is a bundle package. While I, yes, do the recruitment and focus on that, I still need to ensure that once these people are in your business that they're being nurtured and and managed and supported the right way can you tell us a little bit about what involvement you have with um, helping your agents build plans for marketing and just generic business plans how, how do you leverage that yeah so i give all my agents well i just get laptops when they when they join with us um i decided i wanted my my business fully in the cloud so they can work from home and yep. if it's needed to and it's been really good considering COVID come on board we've all been mobile so we set them up with with everything I have really strong admin in my group you know with Corinne and, and Kate and Taylor who are my admin people and they um they set all the guys up on agent box and do the training and, and everything on the, on the systems in the background we have an admin person in each office that does sales and marketing so they give all the agents the sales support so the agents are really just out there doing what they do best which is listing and selling so they don't have to be bogged down too much into the into the admin so i provide that in every office sales and marketing support so obviously the guys have got got that support there when they need it my perspective in my role more more so is um running as a sales manager for these guys you know as i said we do a sales meeting once a week in each office um we then do one-on-ones with each agent each week um and that's about coaching them not not micromanaging them or performance managing them yeah. it's about how to grow their business so it's building the marketing and plans so you know don't provide all the all the templates and booklets that we need for business marketing plans the stuff that people have got in the shed is, is amazing yeah. and if we're not using it we, we need to, you need to be using it that's where the difference is so most of these agents are coming from brands who are inferior to stone so most of them may be coming from independence or lj hookers or ray white and they have nothing like we're providing for these guys. So we're opening up to a whole new world for these guys. Mm-hmm. And we need to, that's one of our points of difference. So I work on marketing and sales plans for the guys. So we work out their BDAs. We work out the turnover in their BDAs. We work out how much percentage of 20% market share that they can they can generate from their areas. We work out that 50% of their, you know, their total sales for the year will come from their BDAs. So that way that we, we, we nail down the figures so we know exactly where they can be when they get 20% market share. Sometimes an agent will say, I want to work this area, and I'll say, oh, really, there's only been 14 sales in that area. So if you get 20% market share, you're going to be doing 2.8 sales out of your area a year. Is that worth your marketing plan? So, you know, and we'll knock that out of the park. But 
that sort of stuff that the agents appreciate because not a lot of those guys, you know, understand that or get that. And once you can set them up, and I mean really set them up with, this is your marketing plan. This is what you're going to be doing each month. So you're doing, a, you know, a thousand just listings, a thousand just sold. You're doing one bulk deal to your whole area every month. Um, this is your social media plan. I want you posting on this day, this day, this day, this day. This is the content you should be posting. Here's our templates. I'd try and do a template up for the guys once a month they can leverage off. I've done a couple of COVID ones for the time. You give them all the tools and they're there to be successful. If they're not successful, then there's an issue with the agent. They're not going to follow the plan or they don't want to invest in themselves or whatever it might be. Yeah. But the agent you know, needs that support to keep them on track. And and our role as a sales manager sometimes can just be a counsellor. <laughs> it can be yeah. listening to a bad day. They've had they've missed a, a listing presentation and getting them back in the right headspace to, to be prepared to go into the next listing presentation. But the sales meetings should be a non-negotiable every week. One-on-ones should be a non-negotiable with a staff member every week where they get your time and they can... Sometimes, you know, we've got agents like Renee who's, you know, super experienced, been in the industry over 10 years, doesn't need much, but sometimes it's a venting session or sometimes it's a counselling session or sometimes it's like, hey, I'm thankful I'm getting traction, let's try something different. So that's what we do in, in, in there every week. I also do once a month where we do a, a sales meeting for a whole group of officers We come together um, and we go for the results for each office individually and I share all, all the business stats across the group. And then once a quarter, we do another big meeting where we have uh, quarterly awards for the agents based on GCI, performance awards, encouragement awards, and all that sort of thing, which all that sort of stuff contributes to the culture of the business as well. David, it's um, Pete here. I might just jump in and ask yeah. you both a question. Um, it's around persistence on recruitment. Yep. Um, I yep. know Gina and I, when we were first out meeting with one of our first franchisees, um, I think, Jeannie, you had 18 cancelled appointments. We actually had appointments booked, 18. But, of course, Gina doesn't give up and neither do I. (laughs) So eventually they became a franchisee, one of our first. (laughs) But I know you've had similar things. I think you said to me once that you're about to own the coffee shop sometimes with someone you met you'd had so many coffees with. If they didn't Mm -hmm. join, you'd own the coffee shop. Uh, I I think what I want to ask you on that, I think a lot of people, and I've spoken to other pencils from all different businesses, and um, they've said, oh, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call them back because they haven't run me back. And, and I think we let our ego get in the way sometimes where yep. we all know as agents, we all get busy. Things happen in our lives. There's deals going south. There's a deal going well. Uh, it's, it's just not the right time. Um, yep. And I personally know I had one of my guys who joined me as a partner in our manly office and I think I worked on him for close to four years. And he was yep. actually a best mate of my son. And I remember my son yep. saying, no, he's not going to join us. Of course, yep. he did join us eventually. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't always happen, but I think it's about persistence. So, David, can you talk a little bit about that as a principle and, and how you don't sort of take offence when people don't return your call or, you know, you have to follow up? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think we've got to remember that's a big decision for agents to to change brands and change offices. So, you know, if they're writing good figures and, you know, it's, it's a big change. They have a fear of, you know, what happens? Do I lose momentum? You know, is this going to be a bad decision for me? So you, you can't expect somebody to, to change in, a, in the blink of an eye. It is a big decision for them. We, we sometimes do get frustrated as principals and think it should happen quicker than what, what it happens. But, you know, the persistency is key. As I said, this guy that I'm bringing on it now, it's been two years and I consistently catch up with him. So, and I've actually been giving him informal coaching sessions over the last few months, um, probably four or five months, to be honest, where he's rang me up and asked me some advice on some things and I just keep doing it. And actually, one of my agents say to me, what do you talk to them for? They're not going to come on board. They're just picking your brains and wasting your time. You know, why would you keep doing it for? 
eventually it will come on board. If you've got that relationship with these people, their office is going to going to drop the ball at some point in time. They might steal a listing off this agent. They might not give them any time. I've got agents I spoke to that haven't heard from the principal during COVID for two months. So they've been out on their own and felt isolated. So something's going to happen where it changes the the mindset of where they are and they decide, well, it might be time to look around. So that's why it's important that you need to be there. It's like, you know, going to a listing that's going to list in seven months' time. If you don't hear from them, if you don't go and keep in contact with them and the other agent is, they're going to get the listing. It's the same with recruiting. You need to be there. So when something doesn't go the right way for this agent, even if they're totally happy where they are now, I still touch base with them every month and just say, how's everything going? I know you're really happy. Things still going well for you. If they say, yes, they are, that's great. Awesome. I'm glad everything's going well. Um, good to catch up. I'll catch you again in a month's time or so. We'll touch base soon. And you've got to be there. So something will turn at some point in time. Um, I've had, had a joke with this guy. Every now and then I'll send him a photo that of himself on the net. He'll have a photo of himself in front of a sold sign and I'll, I'll change his current brand. I'll put the stone logo on it and send it to him and say, nice sale. Looks better under the stone brand, doesn't it? Have a bit of a joke. You know, all that sort of thing to keep in contact with them and just make a, make a lighthearted approach every now and then that keeps them thinking about me. So that way when, the first thing goes wrong in their current business, hopefully they're thinking about what it would be like over at Stone. So, David, just again jumping in and, and then we might wrap, let Gina wrap up with you in a sec. Um, yeah. And thank you for your honest information today. And I'm hoping a lot of people out there in the industry are, are listening to this and taking note. Um, yeah. I've been to one of your, speaking on culture now, I've been to one of your yeah. awards, I think it was a quarterly awards, and it's yeah. amazing. You have such a wonderful team. You really, yeah. it's really warm and welcome you celebrate wins with everyone and i think those things are part of it so it's easy to promise i think in our industry there's a lot of it's not not everyone always tells you as it is and not everyone delivers what they say they're going to deliver and i know you're like that i'm like that we always say we're if we say we're going to do it we do it and we back yep. it up and we support people but i've noticed in the industry a lot of people will just try to woo people to get them in but it's more than that because if you do that and then the agent is really unhappy and you don't deliver, that that affects you down down the track anyway. And it's not how we like to operate as people. Um, but, yep. but I must compliment you because of the culture that you build with your network and, and they all love you. And I know we've had a women's event that Gina's run down here in our place in Sydney. You've yep. hired the bus, put them all in and draw, drove them all down for the night. Um, yeah. Not many principals go to that effort. You know, and these are the things, people that are listening, that it, it's more than just the recruitment. It's how you look after them, how you onboard them. And and I think what I've noticed with Gina and David, you two work very well together because Gina's great at doing her part, helping you see who's out there in the industry, plus with your list of people, making those contacts when you're flat out. But you deliver at the other end. Um, Gina, do you have any more comments on that? Absolutely, we wrap up? yeah, that's right. David does deliver at the other end, and we're so open and we work hand in glove. Where David will say, "I've got Friday free. Just book in anybody, anywhere." Uh, we text each other madly. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's no set times or rules around how that happens. So he's very fluid, open, and uh, ready. I guess is the main thing to jump in there. And what I like about David is he puts recruitment before anything and I feel if you don't have people, you just don't have a business and that's the way it's got to happen. So, David and Gina, I want to thank you very much for sharing today. Um, we might wrap up now and I think for principals out there listening to this, if you are not growing, you are going backwards. You've got to consistently be looking, as David said, have a pipeline, same as you do for listings. You've got to have a pipeline of agency you're talking to because you don't know when you're going to need another agent, even if all your desks are full. 
But I think what we all do as principals sometimes is that we think, oh, I'm not going to pay that agent that commission or I'm not going to give those listings for free or I'm not going to support with this marketing. If you've got desk free, or even if you don't, because so many people want to work from home anyway, so you probably should have a, a part of your team working remotely anyway, it saves you on desk cost. If you're not starting to think like that, you will be slipping backwards. The other most important thing is if you are not a great recruiter, either pay for a recruiter <laughs> if your franchise doesn't offer one or push your franchise to get one to help you. Now, of course, you can always come and join Stone and I'm always happy to talk to you. So, so if you would like to know more about Stone, anyone out there listening today, um, reach out to either myself or Luke Cameron um, and it's just Luke Cameron at stonerealestate.com.au or Peter Mumford at stonerealestate.com.au or, of course, you can get me on my personal mobile, anyone that wants to ask anything about business, 04-111-74008. But I hope you all have a great week and we look forward to bringing some more as this session is sort of a bit of under the hood of stone what we're doing. So we're trying to share some of the things that work for us and hopefully it'll work for you. But thanks all for having a listen today to the Stone Industry Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Industry Podcast. To learn more about us, be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.